get your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 16, and then we're going to end up also in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your phone or tablet, go ahead and get your Bible app out, and you can just follow along. But I always encourage you to bring the Word of God uh, to the church. If you're new to Grace, uh, we're going to put these scriptures up on the screen for you to follow along there as well. And we're starting a new series today, and this series is called Called Out, What It Means to Be the Church. And a lot of times when I go into a series, I I just kind of have a good feeling. I think it's going to be about four weeks, or it's going to be about five weeks, or it's going to be two weeks. I have no idea with this one. I mean, I have no idea. I have two messages, and that's it. You're only getting one today, so don't get nervous. But uh, I don't know how long the series is going to be, but I'm excited about learning what it really means to be the church. And so I want to start in Matthew chapter 16 in verse number 13. Here's what it says. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some uh, and others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Watch what happens here. Jesus is going into what the Bible calls the region of Caesarea Philippi. This particular region was a very dark region. It was actually an area that was filled with all sorts of debauchery and ungodliness. The previous name of this town was actually called Panis, And it was named by the Greeks after the god of Pan. God called Pan. It was the god of nature, god of the wild. All sorts of sexual deviancies and and promiscuities would happen in this particular region. Then the Romans conquered it and named it after Herod Philip. So it was called Caesar Philip or Caesarea Philippi. And it was a very, very dark area, very dark region. And Jesus goes into this region and he brings... 12 men with him who have chosen to follow him, and he says to them, who do men say that I am? Right? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, who's one of the prophets, and then he turns to these men who have dedicated their life to follow him, and he says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter always answers first, right? He's always answering first. And so he says this, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God, right? Now watch Jesus's response. Jesus, in verse 17, answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He says to Peter, right? He says to Peter, he says, your name means rock and on this rock, but he's not talking about the rock of Peter. This is where the Catholic Church gets it wrong, thinking that this verse applies to Peter and that Peter was the first pope of the church. It has nothing to do with that. He's not saying he's going to build the church on Peter. How many of you know the church is never built on man? Right? It's never built on man. He says, on the revelation of who I am, the revelation that was not given to you by flesh and blood, the revelation that came to you through the Holy Spirit, on that revelation, I am going to build my church. 
my church. Now, the word church actually is the Greek word ekklesia. And here's what it means. It means called out ones. We're called out. We're called out. We're called out. We're different. We're not like everybody else. We don't do what they do, think what they think, and act like they act. Come on now. We are called out. We are called out. We are the church. So how many of you know the church is not four walls? The church is not Grace Chapel. The church is those who have decided to be called out, right? We're the called out ones. That means that when you go to work on Monday, you are the church, right? Whenever you are at home, you are the church. Whenever you've chosen a life where you say, I choose to live differently than the world lives. I'm not going to live in the darkness. I'm going to live in the light. You're going to say, I am going to be then the church on the church. Because when most people think of church, And most people describe church, here's how they describe it. They describe church as a what or where. It's a what or where. What's a church? The church is an organization where people gather together and they have a constitution and bylaws and and then they come together and the purpose is to worship the Lord and and that's what they do. They do charitable works and missions works and they teach kids and they they help people, right? I mean, lots of organizations do that. The Moose Club does that. They get together and sing chants and hymn, hymn, you know, whatever they do. I don't know what they do. And they, they get together. They'll do charitable works. Listen, there's lots of organizations that do that, right? We're different, right? We're called out to be different. We're not some club. We're not some organization. We don't just gather for one particular purpose where we just say, okay, let's just do something. No, it's not called to do something. It's called to be something. Amen? Listen, the church is not a place where people gather. The church is the people who gather. Amen? And it's not a where. Huh? Uh, where, where's the church? Well, it's on the corner of Southern and Seminole Pratt. Well, that's true as far as, as gathering together. But how many of you know the church is wherever you are? At any moment, at any time, wherever you are, that's the church. And so I want to talk to you about what it really means to be the church. What it really means is to be called out. To be called out. So I want to talk to you about calling, right? Because that makes all the difference is the calling part. Because you have to remember, when Jesus called his disciples, these 12 men that he had just gathered with, he had already begun his ministry. He didn't get them together, and then they decided what they're going to do. Hey, guys, what should we do? Heal the sick? Good idea. (laughs) Perform miracles? I love that. Let's do some of that. When he called his disciples, he had already been teaching. He had already been preaching. He had already been healing the sick. He had already been performing miracles. He already had his ministry in place. And so I kind of look at it like this. Here's how it looked like. This is just... This is just my take on it, right? He's doing all of these things. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's healing the sick, he's performing miracles, and then he goes by a boat, and he sees Simon, and he sees Andrew. Simon would become Peter. He sees these two men, and he says to them, follow me, right? Actually, this is the way I think he did it. He went up to them, and he said, guys, fishing is so boring, That's just kind of what I think. He didn't say that, but I'm just kind of, that's the Rosenbarger translation. So you could pick one up at the info table. So 
I just think he kind of went up to them and said, there's got to be more than fish. You know what I mean? And then this is what I think he did. I think he said, follow me. And then he turned and just walked away. Huh? Because the Bible says, and immediately, immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then he found two more fishermen and he said, guys, you too? (laughs) James and John. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then he walked by and he saw a young man collecting taxes, sitting in an office. And he said, Matthew, 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 you follow me. And immediately Matthew left the office. Immediately James and John left their nets. Immediately these disciples chose to follow him, right? Why? Because they felt the calling. There was a pull. There was a tug. And listen to me. You have to know you have a calling. You have a calling. You're not just here by accident. You're not here on this earth by accident. You're not here in this room by accident. There's a pull and there's a tug. God is calling you. He's calling you by name, each and every one of you. And he says, I have a purpose for you. Amen. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy, here's what he said. Watch this. He says this. 1 Timothy 1. He says, first of all, I want you to know this, Paul. I want you, Timothy, I want you to stir up the gifts that are within you. I want you to know God's not giving you a spirit of fear. That's verse 7. He says in verse 8, he says, I'm a prisoner being persecuted. You're going to have to share in your persecution. And then in verse number 9, he says this, because we have been called with a holy calling. Not according to your works, but by his purpose and grace. Hallelujah. That means you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You're not in this room because you were super Christian and you just happened to walk in here and you were just so good that God couldn't help but choose you, right? You're in here because you are flawed. You're a sinner who has been saved by grace. Come on now. You're in here because you have a calling, not according to your works, but he has a purpose and he wants to pour out his grace, his empowerment on your life to let you fulfill that purpose. Hallelujah. You have been called. Amen. So if the church is called out, the question is, what are we called out from? Huh? What are we called out from? Can I just submit to you that the first thing that we're called out from is darkness. Darkness. Let me tell you, as you study the word of God, you see God has a problem with darkness. Hmm? He has a problem with darkness. It's all over the word of God. In fact, in the book of Genesis, before he ever completely formed the earth, right, before he ever put the sun in its place, before he ever created the moon, before he ever created man, he dealt with darkness. He dispelled it when he said what? Let there be light. The first thing God did was deal with darkness, right? And so we have to understand that God's called us out of darkness. Huh? 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are, huh? You're, in fact, it just says, you might as well just say strange. 
says you are a chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him. Why? Because he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're weird. Get used to it. You can't live like they live. Watch what they watch. Listen to what they listen to. There's something different about you, or at least there ought to be. Why? Because you've been called out of darkness. Woo, hallelujah. Out of darkness into light, right? Colossians chapter 1 says the same thing, that the power of darkness would be broken off of us, that we would no longer walk in darkness, right? But that we, his, here's what he says. It says he's conveyed us. In other words, he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He's called us to walk out of darkness. We walk out of darkness. Romans chapter 13 says the same thing. It says that the power of darkness would be broken over our life, right? That power that's of darkness that we would no longer, and it says, it says put on the armor of light, right? And so we have to get rid of the darkness in our life. We have to understand we're called out of that mess, out of the darkness. Woo, hallelujah. You say, how does that happen? Well, flesh and blood doesn't reveal it to you. Huh? Your pastor can't force you to. I can't preach you out of darkness. I can't preach myself out of darkness. Come on now. Huh? I can stand here and spit and, and, and preach and talk and scream and yell and do all sorts of things. But I cannot pull you out of darkness. I can't talk you out of it. I can't convince you. I can tell you how dark darkness is. I can tell you all the consequences. I can see it for myself, but I can't do it for you. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples, he said, listen, what does the, the non-church say? That's ultimately what he said. What are the unbelievers? What is the non-called out ones? What do they call me? Oh, they call you this. Why? Because they have no revelation. Now, what has the called out ones, what have they decided that I am? You're the Christ. How did you get that revelation? The Holy Spirit. I want to give you some action steps over these next couple of weeks, right? Just talk to you real plain. And here's what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to determine I want you to, to allow him to decide what to walk away from. It's the what. Huh? It's the what. Because we can't live like they live. We can't watch what they watch. Ooh, there has to be something different about us, and what's different is we walk with conviction. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to like this series. It gets better, okay? It's going to get better, all right? But this is still good stuff, right? When you understand that he's called us with a holy calling, when he's called us out of darkness. And it's not just that out of darkness. It's also what he called. I can't wait to talk about what he's called us into. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be called into light? Hmm. Praise the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I can't preach conviction on you. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I can share with you the word, and the word of God can convict you. That's still a work of the Holy Spirit. So you say, well, how does it look like? Here's what it looks like. 
When you wake up in the morning and you grab the word of God and you go on to your back porch or you go to your kitchen table or wherever you find your place to spend your time with God, here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, I need your conviction today. I need you to show me what's right and what's wrong. I need you to show me what's out of bounds. See, we've blurred the line too much. Huh? We've allowed the immorality of the world. How many of you know the world's getting darker and darker and darker and darker? Am I in the right church? I'm telling you, it's getting bad out there, right? They're allowing all sorts of, of just craziness, darkness. And it's penetrating our societies, our schools. They're going after our kids. Come on now, our teenagers with all this darkness. It's all over the internet. And before you click on it, before you watch it, before you listen to it, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to determine, is this right or is this wrong? Ooh, hallelujah. I saw an article in a Christian magazine, Christian magazine, and it said this. Does the nudity in Game of Thrones make it unwatchable for Christians? And I thought, if you're already asking the question, something's wrong. Does the darkness in Game of Thrones make it unwatchable for children of light? Come on. How many of you know, if we're asking that question, there's already a problem? Hello. So we have to understand, God's called us out of that garbage. We have to look different than they look. We have to act different than they, they act. We have to listen to different things than they listen to. Come on now. You need to let the Holy Spirit say, okay, listen, enough of that. No more of this. You need to cut this off. You need to change the ratings here. You need to put a block here. You need to do whatever you need to do. And it's the Holy Spirit's job because John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. When he comes, he will guide us into all truth. He'll say, out of bounds. Ooh, hallelujah. Nope, none of that. Nope, you don't talk like that. You don't listen to that. You don't watch that. Come on now. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is. Why? Because it's darkness. Let me tell you, God doesn't want you in darkness. He doesn't want you walking in darkness. Right? There's something about God that says, no, you're children of light. The first thing I did when I created the world was get rid of darkness. Ooh, hallelujah. Now watch this. Ephesians chapter 5. Here's Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. And here's what he says. Ephesians chapter 5. It says this. Verse number 8. For you were once darkness. Not that you walked in it. <laughs> Come on now. Not that you were, you were in it. But you were it. You were once darkness. Ready for the good news? But now you are the light, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Watch this. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Here's this verse. I love this verse. Finding out whoo, what is acceptable to the Lord. How I many you know there are things that are acceptable to God and then there are things that are unacceptable, inappropriate, shouldn't happen. Christians shouldn't talk like that. Christians shouldn't do that. Come on now, right? I mean, I, right? So, so we find that out. How? Not by going to church every Sunday. I mean, I can give you a little bit, but I, it's just the word of God. 
How do you find that out? The Holy Spirit convicts you. He convicts you. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Watch verse 15 go down there. It says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. In other words, that's just like Romans 13. You walk properly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He says this, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Now that word dissipation is an interesting word because when Paul uses it, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, he takes the Greek word sozo, which means saved, and he puts un in front of it. He puts not in front of it. He said, don't be drunk with wine, which is not saved, or the actual word can be translated unsavedness. It's unsavedness. It's unacceptable. It, it, it actually robs you of complete and wholeness. It robs you of what God intended for you to have. Don't be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Ooh, hallelujah. See, when you're filled with the Spirit, here's what the Spirit does. Spirit says, okay, you can do this, and then you can't do this, and then I want you to do this, and then, and then do this. Now listen, God's not trying to get you to, to stop doing stuff. He's trying to lead you in the right way. Because I've said this when it comes to parenting, and I believe it applies to every child, every teenager, and every adult. Listen, holiness equals happiness. I mean, we got to get that deep down in the inside. Come on now. Holiness equals happiness. A holy child's a happy child. Come on now. The times in my life when I've allowed depression to come in or, or really sadness to come in, it's times when I've struggled in my relationship with the Lord. But when I'm spending time with the Lord, when I'm praying, come on now, when I'm worshiping, when I'm doing everything right, listen, those are times when joy floods my soul. I know that things are right between me and God. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect. It doesn't mean that there's no problems. It doesn't mean that there's not some struggles here and there. But it just means this. Listen, I know that, that he's on the inside of me leading and guiding me by a holy calling into my purpose. And it's going to be a holy calling. Amen. So we got to get rid of the darkness. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to ask Pastor Mark if he'd come back. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take this next week. Listen, when I was making this sermon up, Right? Well, I was making it up. When I was letting the Holy Spirit scratch that, reverse that, rewind that. When I was making, when I was allowing, when I was making this up out of thin air. When, when I was allowing the Holy Spirit to deposit this in my heart. Let's get real spiritual. I started with me. I said, Holy Spirit, what have I allowed? Huh? What? Because listen, if you're not careful. A little of this, a little of that. You go, well, you know, it's, it's rated this, but that's just because of this. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just, it's got some innuendo, but it's still funny. Come on now. And you go, well, uh, you know, Way FM, pff, they play the same songs over and over. And that's true. That's true. <laughs> But I'd rather listen to the same songs over and over again than some of the garbage that's out there. Can I get a good amen from somebody? Come on now. 
Listen, I'll turn the whole thing off and just spend time with the Lord before I allow the garbage to come in. Amen. We got to get rid of the dark. The first calling is out of darkness. Out of darkness. Because he can't take you. Listen to me, church. He can't take you where he wants to take you. If you won't walk out of the grave, come on now. He had to say to Lazarus, you got to get out of there. Come forth. If Lazarus would have yelled back, I like it in here, you'd never know his name. Right? So we have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us because that's what he does. Listen, and it's not the kind of conviction where he just wants to hammer you over the head and tell you how terrible you are and you're the worst person ever and you're never going to make it and, and you're the example uh, of what a Christian shouldn't be. He doesn't do that. He pulls and tugs with a gentle, loving conviction. And he says, you know what? I've got better for you. I've got more for you. But I can't take you there if you won't let that stuff go. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute?